Hello, Samuel. Hello, Alida. How are you going? Very good. It's a beautiful day in Bendigo today, isn't it? It is indeed. Nice day to be here in the studio and talking about the subject that we've been covering for the last many weeks. Yeah, many well, weeks. Well, actually, we've, we've gone through the whole God process. Yes. Establishing God. And we've got to the person of Jesus and we're, we've now been dwelling on, uh, on the person of Jesus um, for the last couple of weeks. And last week you started talking about the resurrection. Mm. And so we looked at a number of explanations or you were un- unpacking a number of explanations around the, the resurrection. Yes. Initially, we talked last week about the swoon theory. Yes. That Jesus had fainted and had some sort of technique that allowed people to think he was dead and then when yeah. he was put in the tomb, he sort of somehow revived, yes, yeah, rolled revived the stone and, away and, yes, and, and basically walked out. came out and convinced the disciples somehow that he was risen from the dead, Yes, which would be definitely ludicrous for yeah. anybody to even you know, think that was possible. Yes, but so that's what we're looking at last last weekend. Yeah, that's right. And so you're now going to talk about the other, uh, the other things that um, were being spoken about at the time, whether yeah. or not the disciples were had made up the story, were myth yeah. makers, yeah. were they deceivers, or were they in fact deceived themselves? Yeah, exactly. Mm. And it, it's interesting. So what you're saying here, you see, when in, in, when you're making the case for God, um, you have to sort of go all the way to. Which God are you talking about? Okay, who's this God? And and this is why when we started out, we made a generic case for theism, which removed deism and removed pantheism. So we made the case for theism, uh, you know, the case for a personal God. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Um, so uh, a personal God who is actually involved with his creation, you know, and so on. So we made that case. And so now we, as, as I said again earlier, I always want to bring our listeners up to speed because there's people who just jump on a Sunday like this and they, they don't know how far we've come. So, yes. Yeah, I was just going to say, if there's anybody who actually wants to uh, see us in the studio, you can uh, link on to Samuel Chizikiti's Facebook page. Yes. And we are streaming live at the moment. So you can see his lovely face and all his gestures and all his energy (laughs) coming across. But it also gives you an opportunity to comment. So if there's anything we're talking about today that uh, pops a question into your mind, you think, oh, then in between the breaks when we're doing a bit of music, Samuel can address those questions. And if they're good, if they're really good ones, we'll have them on here as well. Yeah, so it's a good thing to do. So your surname is spelt? My surname is spelt T-S-H-I-S-E-K-E-D-I. There you go. So Samuel Chizikedi, that's how it's spelt. So if you want to find him on Facebook, it is public. So <laughs> it'd be you lovely to have you online. So come exactly. and join us. Exactly. Yeah. And and we, we're already welcoming our, our online audience uh, that just jump on. It's great to see uh, that they're there. And, and they're um, from all over the world too, aren't they? So yeah, Gold it's, it's Coast, very exciting. You know, Gold Coast, Victoria, <laughs> you know, uh, overseas, t- Dallas, Texas, you know, South the Africa. The Congo, yeah. The Congo, you know, it, it, it's quite good. And mm. uh, so... Okay, so I was saying, therefore, that, uh, you know, once you make the case for theism, that God exists. And in a, you know, you know, pluralistic, you know, society like ours, where everybody thinks, you know, God means anything that can be called God. And so you have to, therefore, specify exactly. I, was, I remember uh, you know, a couple of days ago, I was talking with a colleague at work, and um, 
And so she started this question of, she's agnostic and she started questioning whether, you know, she doesn't think or does not know whether God exists and how can anybody know? So, you know, I established what I actually do here. Yeah. You know, three particular ways we get to conclusion, deduction, uh, induction and abduction. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very, very intelligent lady. And she's like, yep, I see that. And so I'm like, oh, let's start with the deductive argument. And I went through all the, um, and then she said, well, so it, it, you know, it could mean, any God. Yeah, you say God means it could be you know Hinduism, it could be Buddhism. I'm like, well, not really. Um, okay, so and I gave her an example, take it using a name. Like if somebody said to me, I'm gonna see such and such, your name is sort of a bit of a common name. Uh, but I can't just assume that whoever they're gonna see it's you because they could be talking about someone else. I mean, for the sake of the argument, I'm not going to say her name here, but... You can use my was, name if you yeah. want. <laughs> if somebody says, I'm going, to, ah, I'm going to meet with a leader, it makes sense. The first thing to assume is, oh, it's the leader that I know. But since I met you, I've met three people who were called Alita, but they names are pronounced Alita. Mm. And so I'm sure that it's not uncommon for you to meet another leader somewhere. Oh, there's a couple in Benigo. Yeah, mm. think about that. So if I don't investigate further, I might assume that they're actually talking about the same leader I'm talking about. Mm. So you must, therefore, to, you know, go to the point of establishing the characteristics and the criteria to establish which leader we're talking about. So we went to establishing, you know, among all the religions, which one has got the, uh, uh, the, uh, the definition of God that fits the bill we started with is a necessary being, most perfect, most holy, most benevolent, and, and uh, you know, all-knowing and so on and so forth, and personal God. Mm. And so that's how far we've come. Now we're establishing and uh, making the case for Christian theism, which means the Christian God is the God we're talking about. If there is a maker, creator of the universe, it's the, the only God that fits the bill is the Christian God. And that's the case I'm making. Yeah. And the Christian God, how do we know him? Is because he presented himself in the person of Jesus. So the Christian message starts with the incarnation. You know, this is why we celebrate Christmas. Yes. Right? God became man. It's called the incarnation. And so this creator God of the universe became man. And that's what Christianity poses. Now, Christianity could be wrong. It could, be, it could all be false. I mean, most people in our culture today actually now assume that. Mm. Assume, oh, yeah, the Christian message, it's just, just as good as anything else. You know, you know, I used to go to church, but I don't believe in that stuff. Well, the reason why you stop believing in stuff is when you find that they're not actually true, mm. right? Yeah. So making therefore the case is actually what Christianity contains also declares to be true. Is it actually true or not? And so this is the journey we've come because I want, yeah. by the time we finish this entire series, that the person who's been following us carefully can say, well, I think those Christians have a good, good case that the creator of the universe is a God who revealed himself in Jesus of Nazareth. Yes. And so if he, as, as a little saying, if you haven't followed, we, we've got the entire series. Uh, you can get it on 105.1 Life FM. You can even... Send an email in here and requesting, and you might you know, you get the copies. I was told, I was told, you will be able to get the copy, and you can keep a copy. You know, it's for free. You know, you pay nothing. Uh, you can have all that material for yourself, but also you can have it on our Facebook Live. Now, so let's look at Christian theism where we are. So Jesus of Nazareth comes, enters the world uh, as a baby, and uh, you know he, he comes. He speaks with such authority. He 
he, he takes, you know, the place of God. He, he thinks he's got the power to forgive sin and he, he's got the power to raise the dead and his power to judge the dead and the living in the last days. He just makes those kind of statements where a, a basically a Jew in the first century is listening to him like, well, man, you have lost your mind, they say, mm, right? Mm. And so, because they couldn't imagine that God would be a man. And, and so, in that sense, uh, you know, he went on to perform a number of miracles, which often he said to them, well, tell me, why is it you want to kill me? Is it for the miracles? Can't, can you see the stuff that I do? They're like, no, we're not killing you for the miracles, but we're killing you for the things you say. Mm. You know, you are you is a mere man. You want to, you say you are equal to God. Mm. And so that becomes the theme. And he said, well, for you to know I am, like, destroy this temple, take, you know, take my life. John explains as he was talking about his body. Take my life and I'll be back here. Yeah. And so that becomes the thing that the Christian message is pegged on, the resurrection of Christ. So he's arrested by the Romans, he's condemned. Uh, you know, Pontius Pilate, you know, puts him through trial. The Sanhedrin wants him dead. And so Pontius Pilate doesn't see nothing wrong with him, really. But he washes his hands and look, uh, the blood of this man is going to be on your heads. They're like, yeah, we're happy with that. And so he's dragged to Golgotha. He's stuck on the cross, you know, in, in the middle of two thieves. And he's, he's basically crucified. Yeah. And so and he's, he's crucified and he's buried in the tomb. And, and now I'm telling you, I'm not telling you, but I'm at least, you know, you know recounting the, the, there are a number of, line of evidence that all historians, at least credible ones, agree on. That Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth was arrested and he was charged uh, by the Jewish council uh, of blasphemy. He was taken to uh, Pontius Pilate and he was condemned by the uh, um, the Roman governor of, of, uh, of Palestine at the time. And he was put on the cross. So he was crucified. But Jesus was crucified is an established historic fact. And so he was uh, put in the tomb. Mm. And the tomb was public, known by a man called Joseph of Arimathea. And three days later, on a Sunday morning, his women disciples went to, to finalize the the, the 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 embalmment of the body, yeah. and that they found the tomb empty, mm. and his disciples claimed to have seen him alive, and that experience changed them forever. Yes, and they went about propagating the message that he had risen from the dead. Mm. These facts I've told you are basically uh, attested to by the majority of credible historians. Now, we're trying to find out what is the best explanation for this. Mm. And we've already done, you know, uh, there are two explanations. The first one is the one the disciple gave, that he bodily rose from the dead, and they went preaching it everywhere. Yeah. The second one is the one we say, well, you know, some people posit that, well, he didn't really die, he swooned. So yeah. that's, that's where we, how far we've come. That's right. So now we're going to take, there's still three more explanations to look at. Mm. And so that's, that's where we were. That's where we are. All right. Well, we will uh, delve into those after we've had a little, little listen to Andrew Rip with God Knows.
You know my every thought You know the things I've done You know my struggle My lonesome, wretched heart You know the things I've done It must be love It must be love so hard to fix all the things I've done Every mistake Every disaster When I run away Love's running faster Every disaster When I run away Love's running faster Every mistake Every mistake Every disaster, every disaster When I run away God knows it must be love. Beautiful mm. song. 
Now, before the break, Samuel, we were um, just really sort of we sort of um, caught up mm. on where we are uh, discussing the resurrection and uh, the resurrection of Jesus and what we can uh, understand about it and believe about it. Yes. Um, and you are going to delve into. Um, we we talked about the swoon theory last yes. week and. Um, and we're going to have a look at were the disciples myth-makers, deceivers yes. or deceived? Yes. Now, um, so we, we, we've knocked out of the out of the out of field soon. So, you know, there's no way a soon man could have come up and try to convince the disciples. How could he have rolled the stone away? You Not know? with all the injuries that he had on his body. He, exactly. He, he could barely... Well, he couldn't yeah, really yeah. stand, could he? And, and the people who basically interred him, in other words, put him in a tomb... It was not like, you know, day to day we don't see the dead. No, they, they basically wrap him up. You know, they would have had every single opportunity to see yeah, his chest rise, him <laughs> breathing and stuff like that. Yeah. And the Roman soldiers, uh, you know, they, they had, the penalty was their own death if the detainee and the, you know, the person on the death row wasn't actually really dead if they yeah. were not dead. Yeah. So they knew, uh, you know, the penalty for that. So that, that, that the soon theory is just not reasonable. No. And uh, and if he was soon, well, where did he go after after deceiving the disciples? We have no story. Nothing did he vanish like out of the thin air. Uh, so you know, it just it's just not untenable. And so we look at the the explanation that the uh, the um, the, the Jewish authority gave. They said that the disciples stole his body. Mm. All right. So, in other words, they conspired, stole the body, and then uh, you know, and then came up and told people that he was he had risen from the dead. So it's it's called a conspiracy uh, theory. The conspiracy, mm. uh, 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 you know, the idea that they lied. They were liars. Now, I'm going to give about, let's see how many points I can give to go uh, through this to refute the conspiracy theory. I've got about seven points. So let's go uh, quickly through those. Number one, uh, you know, the, the cruncher of this particular one is that from a historical point of view, no one, weak or strong, saint or sinner, Christian or heretic, ever confessed freely or under pressure, bribe or torture, that the whole story of the resurrection was fake and it was a lie. Nobody has ever admitted it. Nobody ever, you know, said that. A, a deliberate deception. Never, nobody did that. Even when people broke under torture, because remember during the Roman persecution, there were people who actually walked away from the faith. Mm. Okay, there were people who basically broke under the pressure of Roman torture, under Nero, for example, and and there was a big, big discussion in church history about what were called then the apostates, people who under pressure basically decided to recant that they were not Christians. But even none of those, nobody ever came up and say, well, by the way, this Jesus never rose from the dead. 
It was just a lie. I know Peter and John and, and James and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew, you know, all, all, and Matthias, these guys, they just, they'd hidden this, this body somewhere. I know where the body has been hidden. Let me go and show you up. No, nobody ever. You would not be able to take, keep a secret like that, really. No. Nobody has been able to keep a secret like that. No, no. Um, and not tell somebody else, particularly with 11 people that were supposed to be, have, have conspired together. Yeah, especially yeah. after the kind of torture they went through. Yeah. You know, let, let me give you, give you, give you a bit of an idea so you can see. How did the apostles die? I was just checking that this morning. And I, I, I'll go, if I have time, let's see, if I'll just give you a few of these one at a time. How did, for example, Peter die? Peter died crucified upside down because mm. he considered that he was not worthy to die the same way his master, his Lord, died. Simon Peter uh, was arrested uh, by Emperor Nero. He died in AD 64. At least we have, you know, some good historical record about the death of Peter. And so, uh, you know, Peter was was tortured. One, one of the um, church fathers, Clement of Rome, who had known the apostles personally, actually known Peter personally, wrote in his famous letter to the Corinthian, the epistle of Clement. And he wrote that Apostle Peter was, was crucified, you know, upside down and Clement was there, okay? Mm. And so it was Eusebius, for example, who is also who's written ecclesiastical history, you know, attests to the fact that Peter was uh, crucified. And so he n- never recanted. He was tortured and crucified upside down. How about James? James died by the sword. He's the one at least whose, whose, whose death is recorded in the New Testament. After the Apostle chapter 12 tells us uh, that James was executed by the sword. Never recanted. You know, mm. if, if, if you're 12 of you and, you know, a couple of you start to die, you know, you know hang on a minute. Well, uh, I'm not going to just die like that. No. I know the truth. Let me tell you. Yeah. And so no one among the apostles, how did John die? It's quite interesting. John was the last of the apostles to die. And he was basically thrown into boiling oil. Mm. Wouldn't you? He lost his sight. Miraculously, he he escaped. He came out of that oil still alive. He's the only one to die of natural death. And yet, he being the last one, having seen all his mates or heard of some of his mates being killed far away, Never, never, ever came and say, well, look, we just made this entire thing up. Mm. And I can go one apostle after the other, uh, you know, all the way to Paul, who actually the last one, Paul, who, um, who wrote that if Christ didn't die, didn't die and rise from the dead, you know, we are the one to be pitied. 68 AD, Paul, uh, you know, died. And, you know, he, he died by the guillotine, mm. had dropped. Wouldn't you even last minute before, you know, no, look, look, I just, I recant. This wasn't true. Uh, we were just told, telling pokies. This wasn't, no, no. Mm. So mm. you can imagine, certain things, we, we, you know, you watch those movies. It must be one of the movies, uh, Braveheart. Yes. Oh, I hate that movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, there are parts of it I really love, but no. I, yeah. yeah. I know the bit you mean. You no. get to see. Yeah, no, you can feel every. Yeah, you feel every mm. moment of what it is like for people mm. to be brought to that place and you know that thing is going up and it's going to come all the way down mm. and you get given the chance to say whether you recant and, t- you know, just deny the story. No, I didn't deny. 
And so that is a solid piece of evidence that these people basically believed and that they had actually seen the risen Christ. Let, let's, let's go to point number two. If they made up the story, they were the most creative, clever, intelligence fantasists, according to Peter Craft, <laughs> yeah. in history, yeah. far surpassing Shakespeare or Dante or Tolkien. Uh, why? Because these fishermen, they told the story. There's such, you know, it's like fishermen's fish story are never that elaborate. There's so much detail. It's not that convincing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Not life-changing and enduring like this. Okay? Yeah. So when you imagine those fishermen being able to make up a lie of this magnitude, well, mm. nah, not, not that credible. Number three, these disciples' character actually argue against the fact that they, they lied. Why? Because there was no dissenters. I would just say that. They were simple, honest, common peasant. They were not cunning. Uh, they were not convincing liars. We don't have any part of history within the church of them having told even, even a side lie of some other sorts. You know, so they weren't even lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and their and their sins are there for all of us to see, aren't they? You read yeah. the gospels and you see how how they how, how they were when Jesus was around. And, it's and, quite and, interesting. Yeah, they were very. It was very transparent, wasn't if it? If they were elaborate liars, yeah. liars tend to always embellish their stories to yeah. make themselves. They look would have good. made themselves look really great. So yeah. Peter, for example, wouldn't have as a chief apostle wouldn't have let it be be written that when the Lord was arrested, he ran and he denied the Lord three times. Mm-hmm. They, they wouldn't write stuff like that. They no. wouldn't say, well, well, all of them scattered, you know, and, and no one basically went with him all the way to the cross, even though Peter had sworn that I'm going to die with you, you yeah. know? Yeah, and and he wouldn't have uh, allowed people to know that Jesus told him basically get behind me, Satan, so he yeah. virtually oh. called him Satan. I mean, he would not have wanted that out in the public square either, exactly. would he? Exactly. Yeah. When he became this most influential person, would he have wanted people to know that Jesus said he was Satan? Yes, exactly. Ooh, mm. okay. So you can see, even our today's politicians, they always spin. <laughs> Everything about them is all perfect, yep. right? Yep. So it tells you, when, when, when people lie, they will make sure that they embellish the story to make themselves feel good. Mm. So they willingly died for this, this conspiracy. Nothing proves sincerity like martyrdom. Mm. So the change in their lives from fear to faith, despair to confidence, confusion to certitude, runaway cowardice to steadfast boldness under threat of persecution, not only proves their sincerity, but testifies to some powerful cause of it. Yeah. So can a lie, uh, you know, cause such a transformation? Well, are truth and goodness such enemies that the greatest good in history, according to Peter, Peter Kraft, sanctify? has come from the greatest lie. Mm, no. Not plausible, is it? No. All right. Well, point number four. Now, there could be no possible motive for such lie if they were liars. See, people lie for a certain reason. Mm. Something they're going to get out of it. Yeah, gain. These days is power, mm-hmm. money, or sex. Yeah. Right? Those are the you know, fundamentally the greatest motives why people lie. But nobody lies for something like this Lose their community, lose their household, lose their family, lose their life for an elaborate lie. Mm. Well, now. And to sustain it for such a long time. Yeah, for, exactly. Yeah. You know, J. Warner Wallace has got this, uh, he's a cold case uh, detective. He said, where conspiracy falls 
flat very quickly, especially based on the number of people involved. Someone somewhere is going to go, well, no, look, I'm not prepared to die for this. We've already made that case. Mm. So, um, so that was num- number. There was no perks that they got from this. <laughs> no, definitely no perks. Number five: If resurrection was a lie, the Jews would have produced the body. Yeah, exactly. Well, if they lied, where's the body? Yeah, right. Yeah, and so it, they could have just simply, "Hey, you people, shut up! Here's the body." And think about it: even if they stole the body, where would they have gone and put it? Mm. Where no one ever, ever, ever found. No, ever, ever. No, nah, no. Nah, look. The disciple could not have gotten away with proclaiming the resurrection in Jerusalem. Yeah. The time and the place where actually the event happened. And you wouldn't have been able to do anything clandestine in that area. I mean, it was packed with people. Yeah. uh, And there was, like, not a lot of space to be able to run around doing things. Somebody would have seen something. And Roman soldiers were standing there at all the time. Exactly. And they knew that, you know, if they're, if, if, what is interesting is that. The Roman soldiers would have died if the disciples stole the body. When the Jewish authorities said, no, no, let's just say that the disciples stole the body and left the Roman soldier unarmed, yeah. well, that smells. Okay, mm. number seven. <laughs> that smells. If there had been a conspiracy, it would certainly have been unearthed by the disciples' adversaries who had both the interest and the power to expose any fraud. Mm. The Sanhedrin actually called them and said, we, we ask you to shut up. Like we cannot deny that which we've seen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that that they were basically liars is out of, out of out in the water. Yeah, that's right. It's it's just not plausible. Not well, plausible. we'll let you all digest all of that information, and uh, we're going to listen to the Booth brothers with "He Saw It All." Working in town one afternoon Attending some business affairs I heard a commotion a couple streets over And wondered what's happening there A young man was running from in that direction And stopped just to catch his breath I asked him to please tell me what was the hurry He smiled up at me and he said I was trying to catch the crippled man Did he run past this way? He was rushing home to tell everyone what Jesus did today And the deaf girl He's leaving to answer God's call It's hard to believe But if you don't trust me Ask the blind man He saw it all Ask the blind man He saw it all My friend, if the troubles and burdens you carry Are heavy and dragging you down And you've tried everything you can possibly think of But there's no relief to be found That very same Jesus that altered the future of the blind man, the deaf and the lame 
You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice. And we're in the Power Hour with Samuel Chisichetti <laughs> <laughs> talking about the resurrection of Jesus and the different um, uh, stories that were going around at the time. Yeah. The explanations, yes. that's right. And uh, we've just really established that um, that uh, the disciples didn't just steal the body. Yes. Um, there were too many reasons why because of the the, the fact that they were um, they never recanted yep. they never changed their story yep. um, that horrendous horrible terrible things happened to them yeah. um, to try well to, to well in in the end <laughs> to kill them um, but in the whole process um, all of their lives were changed and yeah. transformed permanently yeah. Yeah. by the fact that they saw Jesus yeah and and so as you're saying a good point there do you know how detectives catch liars? Because a liar, once they've told a lie, they'll always forget some part of that lie that they told. Yeah. So that they can't, when you start to question them over and over and over again, you know, they're going story to... Story changes. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. And so the, the story never changed. They never changed the story. Uh, and, and, and that attests strongly. Mm. Now, okay, with the other, the, the other possible explanation, they were hallucinating. Yes. Here mm. is... Yeah. <laughs> Where they are hallucinating. Pretty strong you know? hallucination, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So let's just let's analyze it on its just on its merit. Yeah. Um, you know, if if you see when the, your, what's your expectation when you go to the cemetery and bury someone, you don't expect to see them walking around. No. You know, if if you had a knock on the door, and you saw them, uh, the person that you just buried a couple of days ago. Well, you freak out. You'll be thinking, this is a ghost. You know, you, you would. You're thinking I'm hallucinating, yeah, right? Yeah. And so, in a sense, the disciples were not, were not that different. You know, they, these disciples were regular people. Once they saw Jesus walking on the water, guess what they thought? He was a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I read the text in Matthew um, that some didn't believe all the way the last day. People still doubting. Remember Thomas? Yeah. So, let's, I'll give you 13 points. This drawn from Peter Kraft's uh, uh, refutation. Let's, let's, let's go one at a time. I'm going to go as fast as possible. Too many witnesses. That's mm. number one. There were yeah. too many witnesses. Hallucinations are private, individual, subjective. Christ appeared to Mary Magdalene, mm. to the disciples, when he appeared to them without Thomas. Then he appeared to them when Thomas was there. Yeah. And, and then he appeared to the disciples, the two going to the Emmons walk. He appeared to them on when they were fishing. 
you know, he appealed to James, his brother, or his, at least James was his half-brother, mm. and he appealed to 500 people all at once. First mm. Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 to 8. So, even three different witnesses are enough for the kind of psychological tri trigonometry and the psychological calculations. Over 500 is about as public as you can wish. Mm -hmm. well, you don't have mass hallucinations like that. No. All right? You know, somebody, you know, you know, made a joke. It was, I found quite interesting. If somebody said they had a dream and, and they told you the details of the dream that, you know, I uh, had a dream and you and I were together and we we're eating, you know, we were in a cafe somewhere. And he said, oh, yeah, I had a dream you know, that we were in a cafe. I'm like, oh, yeah, coincidence. And then he said, well, and then we got out, we got in the car and we started driving and we were listening to, you know, this particular song. And then we went to the supermarket together and you are listening to the dream and the dream is matching exactly the dream you had. By now you're gonna go. Hang on a minute. No, no, that doesn't sound like because you don't get the dreams that you see exactly. You're in the same dream, the same facts, and 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 if if it is repetitive event, they tell you next. Oh, I had another dream. You know, you know, we were here, and they told you that they've been with you in the dream, and you remember the same dream three times. No, 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 that's standing you too freaky. So 500 people don't have hallucination all at once and seeing the same thing. Mm. It's like 500 people have the same dream. You know, on, on, on the same day. You know? Yeah. That doesn't happen. So, number two, the witness were qualified. They were simple, honest, moral people who had first-hand knowledge of the facts. So you can imagine that, you know, on that, in that sense, they, they were not complicated people. They're simple people who then just simply told the facts that they, they, they'd seen for it to just be an hallucination of about 500 or, or different events, you know, on the, on the, on, on the seashore, you know, in the house without Thomas, with Thomas eating fish, him cooking actually, yeah. <laughs> cooking for the fish, breaking yeah. the bread. Yeah. No, the two varied. Number three, the five hundred saw Christ together at the same time, same place. This is more remarkable than five hundred private hallucinations at different times and places uh, of the same Jesus. Five hundred separate Elvis sightings, according to Peter Craft. <laughs> May be dismissed, but if 500, 500 simple fishermen in, let's say, Maine, uh, somewhere in the U.S., you know, touched and talked with him at once in the same town, that would be a different matter. Mm. All right? And so what the point is making is that 500 people hallucinating all at once? Nah. Number four, hallucination usually lasts a few seconds or a minute, rarely hours. This one hang around for 40 days. Mm. All right? 40 days of hallucinating over and over. <laughs> yeah. Hallucinations usually happen only once, except to the insane. Mm. All right? The person mm. who started to tell you, oh, this radio talks to me every day. Well, you know they've lost their Gives mind. Gives me the same message but over have, and over again. <laughs> we, yeah, we have no evidence mm. that the apostles were actually insane or mentally ill people. Mm. If anything, they stood before kings. Yeah. Governors. Their arguments were irrefutable to some. Peter spoke before Felix, Felix Festus, and Festus went, You nearly convinced me. That's how strong his argument was. Yeah. Number seven. Not only did the disciples not expect this, they didn't even believe it at first. Neither Peter 
or even the women, not Thomas, not even the eleven. They thought he was a ghost. How about we read the text? I, I was waiting. And we, you, know, you can read this text. Luke chapter 24. 24 verse 36. You know when the women get to the uh, tomb? Mm-hmm. When they saw the men wear, wearing white clothes, they didn't say, oh, well, you must be the Lord. You've just maybe changed. They were not expecting. They asked the, the men, what have they done to the body? Where is the body of the Lord? Where have they put him? Yeah. Because they were not regular people. They're like, well, he's dead. We they thought he dead. was the gardener, didn't if they? He's, yeah, if he's yeah. not in here, then they must have moved his body from here to somewhere else. We just want to find out. And they assumed the authorities had done that. Yes, yeah. exactly. You see, that's how reasonable people think. Mm. It was like, oh, we must be hallucinating. Okay. Yeah. So he, here is Luke chapter 24. I'm going to read verse 36. I just bear with me. I'm flipping uh, through my... Uh, as you here. can, as you can hear. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, let's 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 read. While they were still talking about this, Jesus Himself stood among them, and said to them, "Peace be with you." They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Mm. Now look at what He's going to do to convince them He is not a ghost. He said to them, "Why are you troubled, and why do you doubt? Rise in your minds." Why does doubt rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Mm. It's me. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones. Mm. <laughs> As you see, I have. Mm. Yeah. Now that is a written refutation that they were not hallucinating. Yeah. All right. So, as I said, hallucination don't eat. But the resurrection Christ did, you know, yeah. figment of your imagination don't end up having deep conversations <laughs> with you. You know, on two occasions he did. Uh, you know, Luke 24, verse 42 to 43, John 21, 14. The disciple touched him. Matthew chapter 28, verse 9. Luke 24, 39. That's point 9. Point 10. They also spoke with him. He spoke back. Yeah. I've just yeah, said that conversations. Figment right. your imagination yeah. don't end up holding profound conversations. They don't. Mm. You know, extended conversation over times and times and times. Don't give you instructions to meet them somewhere so that they could t- give you the last, the, 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 the great commission, right? <laughs> the great well, on the road to, uh, uh, to Emmaus, uh, he had a conversation for however it was an hour yes. over an hour yeah, with yeah. Uh, with the, the men that were walking That's exactly and then right. broke bread with them around the table. So yes. they'd had an amazing conversation. Yeah. And they wouldn't have believed the, uh, the, the hallucination if the body was still in the tomb. No. So if they were hallucinating and then they popped up in Jerusalem and started thundering up that Jesus is alive, the, the, the uh, Roman authorities and the Jewish authorities would go, look at you, you've lost your mind. Yeah. Here's the body, yeah. shut up. Yeah, exactly. Nobody was produced. No. Okay. 12. If the disciples had hallucinated and then spread their hallucinogenic story, the Jews would have stopped it. I've just said that. Yeah. And last one, hallucinations would explain only the post-mortem appearances, but it would not explain the empty tomb, the rollaway stone, or the inability to produce the corpse. So this theory does not explain the facts very well at all. No. So... Somebody said they hallucinated. No, it's no. not plausible. No. That's it. No, that's exactly right. Mm. Oh, it gets exciting, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's have a listen to Eric Nida and the song Faithful. Faithful. 
having a chat. This is the stuff that you can see if you want to be on our live Facebook. You can uh, you can see what happens behind the scenes, which is uh, which is always good fun. All right, so we're going to do a little bit of a run to the finish, Samuel, with the. Um, the last of of the reasons uh, that uh, that may have explained um, what the disciples or what people in that time were were thinking might have happened, yes. and that the resurrection of Jesus didn't really happen, but there are other things going on. Yes, um, and you've explained a number of them already, but we're doing the last one now. Yes, yeah, so we're looking at the uh, the myth theory. So you know, number one, a few six reasons. Number one, the style of the gospel is radically. And clearly different from the style of all myths. And, and I can actually start by saying to you that the disciples themselves refuted the idea that this was a myth. Okay? They themselves say, we are not writing to you stories here. Uh, they, 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 they refuted the idea that this was a myth. And, and I'll, I'll give you more details uh, to that effect in a moment. The gospel uh, writing is sort of first century biography. Yes, like most most uh, you know, historians who look at the first century style of biography, they reckon that the uh, the gospels are basically biographical, and when you read, they're written in such a way. Like for example, Luke, when he starts to write, he says, "Well, many have undertaken to write the account of things that happened among us," mm. and I, having done research, I have therefore put together an orderly account. Of all the things that so he is, it tells you up front that I am writing an orderly account here. This is not a myth. These are things, pardon and, me, that have happened. And he was interviewing all the eyewitnesses. So these he were people did. that were still alive that he could did. tell the story from that uh, personal point of view. Exactly. Mm. Number two, the second problem is that there was not enough time for myths to develop. The original, uh, the uh, the mytholo- uh, the original, the Mythologizers <laughs> pinned their case onto a late second century date of the writing of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So most people think that this was myth. They they basically pushed the gospel writing a bit late. But I can make the case right now that when you look at the, the Gospel of Luke, yeah, was written first, and then the Act of the Apostle was written second because Luke tells you. That in my first letter, you know, I had written da 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 da. So we know Act was written after uh, after Luke, right? And then we know that Luke, when you get to Act sixteen, was a companion of Paul. Yes. So Luke traveled with Paul, and Paul died in sixty four AD. So somewhere about sixty four or sixty eight, sixty eight. So Luke traveled with Paul, and. Either he already, because when you get to Luke 16, it says, we were here, we were there, we went there. So if he had already written the first account, and now is written writing the second account, to which he starts by saying, I'd written the first account, this is the second account I'm giving to you, he must have finished the account when he's giving it to, uh, you know, Theophilus. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which means the writing of the first account must have already been finished. Is a, a third a third point that when you read First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty three, Luke, uh, uh, Apostle Paul repeats the formula, the tradition 
Then he said, I received that which I passed unto you that the, the, on the day that the, the Lord was, you know, uh, arrested. You know, he, he did the communion, right? Brought the bread and so on and so forth. That particular tradition there. And that particular tradition is exactly word for word what is written in Luke, which basically tells you that he has quoted it from Luke's writing. Yeah. All right. So in that sense, the first uh, Corinthians is written around 55. And so if you consider that, you know, look what didn't have a, a laptop and you know, they, they're on a train and <laughs> yeah. he's typing away, you know, like it would be written today. Mm. If he was using pepper eye and using ink and writing as it was on you know, the character in, in Greek at the time, it would have taken them a long time to be able to write the entire uh, gospel of Luke, mm. to have finished it, and to start writing uh, the book of Acts. So... Give or take five, ten years. So you're looking at the Gospel of Luke. If Act was written in 55 AD, the Gospel of Luke would be written about 40 to 45. And Jesus died somewhere around year 33. Well, he'd be, he would have been writing a bit, Acts, a bit like a diary, wouldn't he? If he's, if he's traveling with Paul, he'd be writing it like a journal. Get, but the way he introduced yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the way he introduced it to Theophilus says that he's already finished the Yeah, account. finished that one, yeah. So in that sense... You can basically put the Gospel of Luke within about five to ten years. And he had to do all the research and see all the eyewitnesses well, and yeah. talk to them. Yep. And he had to have read the account of the others. Mm. So he would have read what? Mark. Yeah. You know, John is the last one to be written. Did he read Matthew? He says many had undertaken. So he didn't read just one. Mm. So you can see that these accounts were written close. There was not enough time for myths to start arising. Yeah. Yeah. Because most of the eyewitnesses were still there. Yeah. Jesus' mom was still there. Yes. Right? Yeah. His brothers and sisters were still there. People who crucified him were still there. And and so in, in that sense, you can see there was not enough time there. Number three, the myth theory has two layers. The first layer is a historical Jesus who was not divine, did not claim divinity, performed no miracles, and did not rise from the dead. So you know, so it become a legendary sort of figure. The second layer is mythologized layer is the, the gospel as we have we have them with a Jesus who claimed to be divine, perform miracles and so on and so forth. But we've already seen I, I quote Saint Augustine here, uh, who refutes this. You know, the speech of one of Elpidius who had spoken and disputed face to face against the Manichees had already begun to affect me at Carthage, uh, Augustine, Augustine, right? When he produced argument from scripture, which were not easy to answer. And the answer they, the Manichees, who claimed to be the true Christian, gave seem to me feeble. Indeed, they preferred not to give it in public, but only among ourselves in private. The answer being that the scripture of the New Testament had been corrupted by some persons unknown, Yet the Manichaean, Manichaean, sorry, Manichaean made no effort to produce uncorrupt copies. So he's basically defeating the idea that the gospel were corrupt. Yeah. This is on to Augustine. Mm. And so, and then you, you notice that even already people already in, in like St. Augustine at that time already were like, now the gospel that we have is as, as they were. And when the Manichaean said, no, the gospel were corrupt, okay, well, make that case publicly. Mm. Show the evidence they didn't have it. So it's like, no, your argument doesn't, doesn't 
doesn't stack up. Yeah, that's not yep. I just stop it. Mm. So what I'm trying to say here is to say that the gospel were written later and mythologized doesn't the dating doesn't work. Even some of the already past century people knew that the gospel were actually true as they were written. Number four. A little detail, seldom noticed, is uh, significant in distinguishing the gospel from the myth. The first witness of the resurrection were women. Yes. Now, if you know first century Judaism, mm-hmm. you don't peg such a huge, massive story on less credible witness. On the testimony of because women. Because the testimony mm. of women were counted as half of that of a man. Yeah. So if you're going to make up a story... You know, you could have like, Peter, he's like, I got up and I was the hero. I went and I saw it myself. Yeah. No, it's the women who went to the tomb. Why? Because the story was true. They told it just as it was. Yeah. So number five, the New Testament could not be myth, misinterpreted and confused with fact because it specifically distinguishes the two and repudiate the myths. Let's read Second Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 16. Just quickly. Second Peter 1, 16 and this is what Peter himself writes. Just going to flick my Bible. Just bear with me as I find the book of Peter. Uh, it's actually First Peter. Is it? No, Second Peter. Second Peter, chapter one, verse six, sixteen, sixteen. Peter writes, "We did not follow cleverly invented story when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus, but we were eyewitness of His Majesty." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, we, we're not lying to you here. We're not telling you myths. This is the true story. And so, as you're heading toward the end, William Lane Craig, who's one of my heroes, has summarized the traditional textual argument with such clarity. This is what William Lane Craig says. So he gives you know, a number point. Number one, the internal evidence from the gospel themselves. The style of writing in the gospel is simple and alive, but we uh, what we would expect from the traditionally accepted authors. Number two, uh, moreover, since Luke was written before Act, I've just said that mm. uh, Act was written prior to the death of Paul. Luke must have been an uh, must have had an early date, which speaks of its authenticity. The gospel also show an intimate knowledge of Jerusalem prior to its destruction. Right. Yes. Mm. Because the, no one in the gospel talks about the destruction of Jerusalem, which happened in AD seventy. Mm-hmm. And they seem to know every place really well. They give you all sorts of details. And so the Gospels are full of proper names, dates, you know, cultural details that only people who had lived in that context, contextual milieu. You know, it, could you imagine somebody who'd never lived in Bendigo would be able to tell you, you know, the details about Bendigo? No. Mm. And so, you know, more can be said. Jesus, uh, you know, Jesus' prophecies of that event tells you that the apostles wrote it because it was prior, Jesus prophesied, before the event itself. And so, you know, I can go on and on, but by now you, you basically see the point. Yeah, exactly. Mm. The external evidence, uh, you know, are absolutely overwhelming. I can go on and on. Uh, and so let me just finish uh, by saying in conclusion that the idea that the gospel were myths doesn't stack up. No. The idea that the disciples hallucinated doesn't stack up. The idea that they were deceivers doesn't stack up. The idea that Jesus didn't really die soon doesn't stack up. Mm-hmm. So it would be only an unreasonable person who, for some other reason, doesn't want to believe that Jesus rose from the dead, who would refuse the simple explanation the apostle gave, that Christ died and rose from the dead. And if he rose from the dead, which he did, 
than the God who made the universe had just incarnated and he had walked down here and that changes everything. everything. And that's the decision that people need to make, isn't it? At the end of the day, uh, Jesus was who he said he was and once you come to that conclusion then you have to make a decision about who Jesus is to you and that's when we come to a a believing um, saving faith that Jesus was the son of God he came to die for us Mm. he's resurrected from the dead he will come back for us Mm. and uh, and that's uh, and take us into eternity when that all happens in the end times Mm. or the end days Um, well we've finished our program again for this week thank you so much Samuel for uh, uh, unpicking all of that for us and it's it's been a really good series mm. um, to sort of finish we're basically wrapped it up